0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim Devico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
1: Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 368 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, May 29th, 2018, and available for download, or streaming on Friday, June 1st, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. Captains, that's right. After a very long search, we are pleased to announce the newest addition to the Priority One podcast team, Anthony Cox. Now, we're excited for his enthusiasm over all aspects of Star Trek and look forward to his collaboration with Winters on covering Star Trek Online. But Anthony, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, Tell us what drew you to the Star Trek multiverse.
2: Uh, Well, originally, uh, the first thing I ever experienced in Star Trek was the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, My family and I sat down to watch it on Sunday night, NBC, and it just stuck with me. And then it was on every day after school. And um, like so many of us, it's just, uh, you know, a model for what I would love the, the world and universe to be and... Uh, I like to experience it as much and in as many different ways as I can.
0: So I know you're a bit of a gamer and you obviously play Star Trek Online. What other Star Trek games are out there that you like to play?
2: Um, I do play a lot of Star Trek board games as well. Um, there's there's quite a few to choose from. And uh, I also like to play some retro Star Trek games like old Nintendo games. Uh, I have... Uh, some Game Boy, uh, next generation games that I really enjoy. So th- I've at some point played just about everything that's ever come out for Star Trek.
1: All right, what's uh, who's your favorite First Officer?
2: Uh, I got to go with Riker, obviously. I mean, you yes. know, I I, yes. I I I practice how he sits in a
1: chair every day. Nice.
2: You're
0: also practicing nice. his facial hair right now. I, I can appreciate. Never grow that.
1: it out. I can never grow it out. Anywho. <laughs> All right, is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners before we start the rest of the show?
2: That uh, I'm really excited to be here. I can't wait uh, to share my enthusiasm and contribution to the Star Trek uh, multiverse. And uh, uh,
1: and thank you for bringing me on board. It's good to have you. All right, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week?
0: Well, this week, comedian Tig Nataro comments on her upcoming role in Star Trek Discovery. Rumors fly about a possible Star Trek theme park in Orlando, Florida, we have a behind the scenes look at the makeup of Star Trek Discovery, and the stars of Disco take on Carpool Karaoke. In Star Trek Online and Gaming News, we're bringing you up to speed on all the gaming world has to offer, and later, as a special treat, we're catching up with Mike Fadum, aka Ambassador Kel, Star Trek Online's community manager, about gearing up for victory as life. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Captains, those hailing frequencies are always open, and you know we love to hear from you from between episodes. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even
1: send us an email at incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Now, Captains, we can't move on with the rest of the show without taking a moment to thank our patrons. Every month, many of you come together to help support Priority One Podcast financially. And without that support, we wouldn't be able to continue producing the show that you've come to enjoy from week to week. So we are so very grateful to all of our patrons at patreon.com. Now, if you're uncertain of what it takes to become a patron, then we encourage you to head over to patreon.com forward slash priority one where you'll see a list of special perks that we offer for each tier of our patronage. Now, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, and so there are other ways that you can help support the show. For instance, be sure to share it with your friends on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Remind them that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news from the multiverse right here at PriorityOnePodcast.com, along with exclusive interviews with game developers like... Those from Cryptic Studios. Now we do have to take a moment to thank a new patron this month, Shijuru. Thank you, as always, for your contributions. Because without you, none of this would be possible.
2: Now let's trek out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I
0: don't know. Then let's trek it out.
1: Creator and star of the recently canceled One Mississippi. Tig Notaro is riding the promotion train, hyping her latest Netflix stand-up special, Happy To Be Here. If the name Tig Notaro sounds familiar, it's because the comedian has recently been cast to play Chief Engineer Denise Reno of the USS Hiawatha in Star Trek Discovery's sophomore season. And like so many Trek stars before her, Nataro's project promotion was interrupted by questions regarding her appearance on our beloved IP. Nataro, who worked with Star Trek Discovery executive producer Alex Kurtzman on shows like Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Xena, Warrior Princess, at the start of their careers, told IndieWire, quote, "...in guest starring on season two of Star Trek, I'm in the hands of Alex Kurtzman, who I've known for a couple of decades." And he knows my voice really well, end quote. She mentioned Kurtzman again in an interview with the Dallas Observer, saying, quote, I've never imagined myself in this kind of world. It's funny because the way Alex and I know each other, now we're meeting up in a whole different world of crazy fandom, end quote. Notaro recalled being offered the Discovery role, telling Dallas Observer, quote, I was offered the role and said yes right away without reading the script. And when I read the script, I said a million times yes, end quote.
0: In reference to her character, Denise Reno, Notaro told IndieWire, quote, The writing that was done for my character is just spectacular. I followed Star Trek as a child and had the action figures. The whole thing is just ridiculously fun and exciting, end quote. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Nataro indicated that she has a recurring role on Star Trek Discovery's second season, saying, quote, I don't have this crazy commitment to my own show, so I can pop in and do a weird auctioneer piece on Sarah Silverman's Hulu show, or have a guest recurring role on Star Trek, quote. For a link to the interviews mentioned, check out the show notes.
1: So I really have no idea who... This person is at all whatsoever. I started watching the Netflix special. It's not my type of comedy. It's like I just didn't, it didn't grab me. But she still, she still portrayed a wit that I was like, okay, this is cool. I, yeah, I think she could, I think this is a nice fit.
0: I have to confess that I also don't know who she is, but um, I was away from the country for you know fifteen years, so uh, I'm not necessarily the best authority but having said that, this story keeps coming up a lot of people are interested um so it's really interesting when you see like somebody who's known for comedic roles um, being then cast into Star Trek discovery, and I know like I complained about um Oh, what's his name? Harry Mudd. Rain Wilson. Yes, thank you. Who's, you know, more known for his comedic roles. Uh, I, I complained about him being cast and he ended up doing, you know, discussions of Harry Mudd aside, um, he ended up doing actually a pretty good job with that role. So I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to bring her in and whether they'll make use of her comedic background, because that's a piece of... Uh, the next gen and star trek in general that i really like that little tiny element of humor in an otherwise sort of um serious topic so i'm excited
1: so she's playing a chief right is that is that what it is she's playing she's the chief engineer yeah so she's playing the chief engineer right so i i i i imagine like a chief o'brien if chief o'brien murmured angry things under his br- under his breath like <laughs> Yeah, fine. I'll teleport somebody, but every time I have to teleport somebody, people hate people. Or like the, or like Alan Rickman's character in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, plays the robot. Yeah, Marvin. Yeah, Marvin. Yeah, that's that's what I got from watching the special, the bit of the special that I got from her.
2: Yeah, I actually am not that familiar with her at all either. Uh, I will tell you that my wife, who was not a huge Star Trek fan before, uh, before me, she's super excited that uh, Tignataro is going to be in Discovery, and she's very much looking forward to it.
1: Nice. Maybe that's the approach too—is getting names from outside of, th- getting names who are established in other stories to bring in those non-Trekkie folk. That could be it.
2: Remember, a while back we mentioned a Star Trek roller coaster in Germany. Well. What if we told you there'd be a whole Star Trek theme park in Orlando, Florida? Well, we're not telling you that at all. But we are saying that there are rumors that this may be true. All of this is completely unconfirmed and, of course, should be taken with a shovel full of salt. But according to blogger Disneyland and more, quote, a Star Trek sci-fi area is being highly considered to hit back at Disney World's Star Wars Land, if Universal does a Star Trek sci-fi area, it will be very sci-fi city with an anchor attraction. It may also be something very similar to the recently announced sci-fi transformers area going to Universal Beijing, End quote. To further verify the source, Slashfilm says, quote, A rumor claims Universal is planning an entire Star Trek land. Nothing has been officially announced yet, but a Star Trek land seems like a blunt way to take on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the immersive new Disney park
1: that will open next year, end quote. Guys, I have a confession to make. I have been to neither Disneyland, Disney World, nor Orlando Universal Studios. I have been to Great Adventure New Jersey, but I've never been to like one of the big theme parks. Um, I know that Kenna's is about to have a heart attack <laughs> because she goes to Disneyland. Is it Disneyland? It's Disneyland, every, yeah, in California. Every freaking weekend with <laughs> okay, the kids. Every other weekend, um,
0: sometimes twice in a week.
1: So, so <laughs> uh, I mean, this would certainly. I I've always thought that if I were to go somewhere, I would probably enjoy or uh, Universal Studios more than I would enjoy Disney. But I've never been to neither. So I, I don't know what to make of any of this I, other than, cool, I hope so. Because then that'll give me even more incentive to get down to Universal Studios.
0: Dude, this this story comes around every so often that somebody's planning on building a Star Trek theme park. And here's the thing. And it's I'm, I am 100% certain I've made this joke before. But what are they going to do in a Star Wars land? It's just going to be one really long queue. With people dressed up like Klingons, and you had all the ride is that you have to negotiate your way to the front of the queue, and then that's it. That's it. It's the <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the ride? What are the rides? Well be? Well I, mean, I mean, I mean, lo- well I listen, I love our Star Trek. It's not. There's not an awful st- lot of like you know action and adventure in the kind of way that you can translate into like a ride. I don't know. Um, you have to so,
1: sit around a table and negotiate something. That's great. That's great.
0: Um, <laughs> Di- so it's <laughs> diplomacy. You know, it's of the ride. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I could I could see like a Riza water park. That would be cool. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, I, I just it. What it about Andorian skate park? Or Anar Skate Park. Sure, I guess it feels it feels like stretching a little bit. It Star Trek doesn't seem like that kind of. It's not a roller coaster kind of thing to me in the same way that um, Star Wars is. And I hate to compare the two because you can't really compare them. They two things that start with star. Come you've, on,
2: you've you've been to Tomorrowland, right?
0: I have. Yeah. Um, there's a lot and of there's a
2: lot of rides and attractions that you go into and sit and, and experience stuff. There's the one where the alien transports into the middle of the room and then breaks out and runs around the thing.
0: And I mean, I guess they could do something with it. I'm, I, I don't know. I would love to see it. And, you know, I, I personally think that there are enough Star Trek fans who would make that a destination because we don't have anything like that anymore. I mean, STLV in its way is kind of a theme park, um, but, you know, there's no there's no more experience anymore. Um, and, and we don't have anything like that. So if they if you build it, they will come and all that. But I'm not sure it would have wider appeal
1: You know what I'm curious. I'm 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 curious um, how the roller coaster is doing in Germany. Like if if it's attracting people.
0: Well, if it's in a theme park full of roller coasters, I'm sure that it is because it's a roller coaster. I mean, but then you're not you're talking about uh, you're talking about a, a not a theme park, but a. What's the, what's the, not a theme park? An
2: attraction and a attra- like a specific attraction.
0: Yeah, there's a big difference between the way that Universal takes a green roller coaster and brands it as the Hulk, versus the way that Disney takes um, an indoor roller coaster and brands it with Star Wars. There's a totally different experience going on there. Um, and if they were going to do it super immersive, like. You know, where where uh, Disney is doing a Galaxy's Edge, which is this whole totally immersive, like you can't even buy Disneyland merchandise inside Galaxy's Edge. It's only like in-universe stuff. If they were to do that with like, I don't know, Starfleet Academy and it was training simulations or something like that, that would be kind of cool. But if you're just going to take a loop-the-loop roller coaster and call it uh, Shuttle Adventure and brand it, you know, NCC 1701... I don't see that as being a destination. I see that as being a footnote.
1: Um, the NCC seventeen oh one was a starship and not a shuttle. Can I please?
0: Uh, excuse me. The shuttles have the registry number of the ship that they belong to on them. Elijah. She's
1: she's correct. Whatever. It's not gonna get. It's not gonna make it to the final show
0: anyway. No. <laughs> oh, yes, it will.
1: <laughs> I
2: think that there's definitely a lot of possibilities with this. I am very interested to see if, in fact, it comes to fruition, what they could do because i think there's a lot of opportunities i know star trek the experience was like a quarks bar with you know uh, a mission on the bridge of the uh, enterprise d so i i think there's a lot of possibilities and i'm excited to see what they can do so
1: well captains that leads us to our first community question this week what would you design as a star trek themed ride let us know in the comment section for this episode on priority one podcast.com forward slash PO368 or by answering our social media hails on Facebook or Twitter.
0: Star Trek Discovery's take on established aliens has long been one of the show's biggest hot button issues. Regardless of your take on the Klingons, Vulcans, Tellarites, or Kelpians, however, there is no denying the amount of dedication put into the process of creating those aliens by both actor and artist. IndieWire recently went behind the scenes of Star Trek Discovery to the renowned Alchemy Studios to see what is required to make a human into an extraterrestrial. According to Alchemy's CEO Glenn Hetrick, the process starts by creating a positive environment. He tells IndieWire, quote, "One of the cancers of the makeup trailer is that it becomes a rumor mill and a very negative environment. When you're in the makeup trailer and you have all these people talking about how horrible that producer is and how horrible that actor is, that really starts to degenerate the spirit of the makeup trailer." End quote. He continues, quote, Keeping the actors happy and positive is as important as the edges blending well, end quote. Creating this positive environment has a positive impact on the actors as well. According to Mary Chifo, who plays the Klingon L'Orel, quote, I tried to come in with a positive attitude and a sense of humor, even if it's 4 a.m., end quote. Doug Jones, who played the Kelpian Saru, has similar sentiments, saying, quote, as an actor going through this process, my day starts earlier than a human character would, and my day ends later than a human character because of the teardown and cleanup time. So that means I lean on makeup lead James McKinnon so, so much. You have to be friends with your makeup artist when you're in this situation because you spend more time with him than anybody else, quote. This article is huge, and there is so much to explore, so be sure to follow the link in our show notes for more.
2: I can certainly attest to uh, rumors in the makeup room. Uh, when I worked on some films, I was the I was a, a PA for some talent and I would have to bring them back and forth from the makeup room to the set. And uh, that's all that's all there is is gossip.
0: Well, it's it's what you do. I mean, think about it. And the analogy in the uh, quote unquote real world, you get your hair cut. You make small talk with the person who's who's doing your hair or, you know, if you're getting a pedicure, you make small talk with the person who's taking care of your feet. And the analogous small talk in the makeup chair is, you know, what did you do at your last job? You know, what's going on and uh, and you you gossip is the is the closest thing, you know. I could totally imagine that to be the case. But of course, you know, when you're talking about self-care and all of those kind of things, the words that you use tend to reinforce themselves. So you start gossiping about people and all the drama, and then you seek more drama, and then it becomes more dramatic. Um, so I love the fact that Glenn Hetrick is so attuned to that, that he's actually going out of his way to make it a really positive environment that it will actually ultimately help all of those actors professionally and personally.
2: There's no denying that the cast of Star Trek Discovery is comprised of some very, very talented singers. Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, and, of course, Anthony Rapp all have training and experience in musical theater. Wouldn't it be great to hear that team sing? Well, soon you will. In a tweet dated May 21st, Sonequa Martin-Green said, quote, I must say, me, Mary Wiseman, Anthony Rapp, and Doug Jones are killing this carpool karaoke, end quote. Along with the tweet, a photo of the quartet smiling broadly in the karaoke wagon. No air date for the impending James Corden-hosted carpool karaoke was given, but stay tuned to Priority One for more details.
1: I am so excited about
2: this! Wow. You're the first person I thought of when I read this.
1: Can can we do so? oh, Kenna, you're driving! You're driving to Vegas, right? Can we get in your car and do a, a carpool karaoke?
0: We can- we can do a carpool karaoke. Yes, we can do a carpool karaoke.
1: Yay! Elijah,
2: who would be your handpicked team of Star Trek actors for your own carpool karaoke to join you?
1: Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, it'd be Brent Spiner, Gates McFadden, Anthony Rapp, Nana Visitor. That's five. A five-person car, but it's a it's a it's a mini. It's usually right? so two, it's usually like
0: person. two or three, maybe four.
1: Oh,
2: they've, had, four, more. Right? they've so had more. They've had more than that.
1: They've had five. Oh, all right, yeah. so I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Um, uh, Bob Picardo. I, I yeah, I was thinking Bob Picardo just to kind of keep the you know keep everybody level. Yeah.
2: I'm shocked that Avery Brooks did not make
1: that list. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that you've clearly put some yeah. thought into um, this, Elijah.
1: That's right. Like, all the folks with Broadway creds. That's, that's what I'm thinking right now. That's right. And Bob's the one. Bob will keep things level. Bob will keep things in check. Once things get a little out of hand, Bob Picardo will be like, guys, guys, tone it down. <laughs> this is, we're professionals here. That's kind of what, what I get from, from Bob Picardo. Yeah. No nonsense. We are singing here professionally. And then Brent Spiner would be like, "Shut up, Bob! Oh man, this is all this is just playing in my head right now. Oh my god!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is our goal this year, though. Let's let's get somebody yes. in the car. We can do it, Elijah. Yes. If you dream it, you can do it. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status.
3: Incoming message.
0: I'm only in the mood for
1: good news today. The Deep Space Nine lockbox has been announced and will feature Deep Space Nine-centric gear, weapons, traits, and costumes, including Ferengi-inspired attire, a ground gear set and costume unlock based on the Tosk Hunters, a Ferengi vanity shield, and a variety of Deep Space Nine holographic bridge officers. The grand prize will be a Tier Six Gemadar Light Battlecruiser, a theme-matching Tier Six ship, the Maki Raider, will be available in the Lobby store. Now, Captains, at the time of this recording, the stats have not yet been released, but later on in an interview with Community Manager Ambassador Kel, you could expect that Friday, June 1st.
2: A Ferengi, a Bajoran, and a Klingon all walk into a bar. <laughs> it's what happened when Stowe environment artist Nick Dugit gave a digital tour of the DS9 interior, to returning cast members Max Kredenczyk, Chase Masterson, and J.G. Hertzler, Quote, it's like being back home again, end quote, was Masterson's response when she saw the updated Quark's bar. Max was equally impressed as Nick ran around as Grand Nagus Rahm saying, quote, this all looks so right, so good, so the way it was, end quote.
1: Check out the full video on the Star Trek Online YouTube channel. You know, I really enjoy watching videos like this. First of all, because you know, over the last seven years, we've had the the the, the great privilege and honor of kind of you know getting to know some of the developers uh, in in various aspects. You know, for instance, I've I've hung out with Nick at at Star Trek Las Vegas, and when he took his uh, vacation, that you know brought him over to the East Coast. We got to hang out for a little bit. So I know that Nick was squeeing and geeking out with the opportunity of sitting down with actors like Chase Masterson, Max Credencek, and and, and J.G. Hertzler. Um, he kept his cool, though. It was cool, Nick. If you're listening to this, you kept your cool, and that's awesome, man, because I don't know that I would have. Especially that you're showing so much of your work to them, right? That's 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 scary, right? That's scary. They were there. They saw the set, and to see their the actors' faces light up with this tour you know they're not gamers they're not you know but they but they're experiencing it uh was was really heartwarming it's it's fun it's really nice too because you know us players can
2: can can sing their praises for what we see as we experience the game but to have the the actors who were there on the set to become almost emotional about about what they're seeing in the game and what these artists have recreated is something special for us to watch as well
1: absolutely absolutely doomed to repeat is the fourth episode and final mission tease before we experience victory is life for ourselves odo suspects the other founders know more about the herc than they've revealed you accompany him to an ancient dominion station that may hold secrets the alliance can use now captains over the last several weeks we've also been covering the new gamma vanguard pack and over those weeks cryptic studios has been adding new goodies to the pack so if you're interested in learning more about it before you buy it lead systems designer jeremy bordicus cryptic randall has posted an article with all of the stats of the gem hadar vanguard and cardassian intelligence ships that come in that vanguard pack so we encourage you to check out that blog links of course will be in the show notes
2: are you gonna buy it are you gonna buy the pack uh yes actually i'm probably gonna buy
1: it tonight
2: nice nice he was just a baby when Quark found him among some recently acquired wreckage. Now a Jem'Hadar first, Dukhan Rex remembers his time with Odo and even practices smiling from time to time. In the latest lore fiction, we learn more about Dukhan Rex as he undertakes a mission to help Odo deal with some Dominion unrest. Content designer Tiffany Wubbles-Chu delivers this installment
1: titled Reunion. Now, Captains, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, we have a lot going on in the Armada. So if you've been thinking about joining us, the Priority One podcast team in Star Trek Online, now may be at the right time. Because starting today, June 1st, the Priority One Armada will begin celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Throughout the entire month, we have some amazing events, competitions, and giveaways planned. In total, it's over 10 billion energy credits worth of prizes up for grabs every day for the entire month of june we will have three random giveaways per day winners will be chosen at random from all of the priority one armada fed and kdf fleets this is going to be our biggest celebration to date and we want you to join in on this celebration the armada is also celebrating its one year anniversary for the weekly twitch streams and we are including the twitch stream in these celebrations Each week, we'll be giving away codes for exclusive content as well as Tier 6 starships. So tune in this coming Saturday at twitch.tv forward slash priority1 for a chance to win a Geordie hologram boff, a TNG ship pack, or a Tier 6 Bentham assault cruiser. On the 6th
2: of June, and every Wednesday thereafter for the month of June, fly across the galaxy, solve the clues, and locate winters in the famous Where's Winters event. This event alone has over 600 million EC worth of prizes each day that the event is run, and over 2.5 billion EC altogether. There has never been a better time to join Priority One Armada, so head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today for even more chances to win some of the great prizes
1: we are giving away. In other gaming news, Captains, have you ever wondered what would happen if Captain Picard teamed up with Lex Luthor? Or if Data and Iron Man went on an away mission together, well, wonder no longer. The crew of the next generation is joining the tabletop miniatures superhero game Heroclix this fall. Releasing in November from Kids. the 73-figure set will feature some of the most iconic characters and creatures from the fan favorite series. Last year, Kids released the original series away team set. so. It's only fitting that the crew of the enterprise d join in on the fun blind booster packs contain five figures there will also be a starter set that includes picard riker data Worf, dr crusher and jody laforge along with a two-sided map and rule book to get you exploring strange new worlds right away an organized tournament kit will feature a samuel clemens figure from the Times Arrow episodes.
2: So, Elijah, have you ever played this game or seen this game?
1: Uh, isn't So WizKids is, are the same people that did the... Um, they teamed up with WizKids to, for the, the the Star Trek Online code, didn't they? Yeah, so WizKids has
2: uh, several of the uh, games based on the Star Trek IP, including Star Trek Attack Wing, which is a... Uh, tabletop sort of starship dogfighting game and, and they've had a couple of promotions where uh, certain starships that you can buy a pack of will have a code for Star Trek Online including the um, Sovereign Assault Cruiser variant and so this game is a figures game where it originally started with superheroes Marvel and DC and you could get little figures of Iron Man and Batman and And Superman and it's played on a grid map and the figures have dials on them that click to indicate what powers and abilities and what values they have for like how far they can attack and how powerful they are and last year they released a set of the original series and this year, they're going to be releasing The Next Generation. And I'm really excited about this because I've played this game for a number of years. And you get to live out these these fantasy scenarios of, you know, what would happen if uh, Harry Mudd teamed up with
1: uh, Wolverine, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I've, so I've wanted to start getting into tabletop gaming, especially, like, with Star Trek Adventures and things like this. I, I, most of the friends that are do tabletop gaming around me are playing Dungeons and Dragons and and other things like that. are and don't really have an interest in Star Trek. So what I think we need to do is start a Twitch stream of us playing remotely.
2: Uh, we could certainly do that. There are several games that we could play remotely. We should we should think about doing that. Speaking of playing remotely, I just want to remind our listeners that Priority One has a Discord channel. If you'd like to come and chat about whatever games you're playing. Head over to our show notes at priority1podcast.com
1: forward slash PO368 for the link. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online and gaming news. Now, we welcome back to the show Star Trek Online's community manager, Ambassador Kell.
3: Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization,
1: Cisco Alpha 1 Alpha.
3: Logs
0: accessed.
1: Well, Captains, we are pleased to have with us again on this episode of Priority One, Star Trek Online's community manager, Mike, Ambassador Kel Fadum. Mike, thank you so much for joining us this episode.
3: Thank you so much for pronouncing my last name right. I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> no one gets that right on the first. I know it's like the third or fourth try, but still, no one gets that right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's really nice to have you on again. I know that uh, you guys are really busy gearing up for the launch of Victory is Life expansion four coming out June fifth, um, and you've been very, very busy with those live streams. You know, kind of showing off a lot of the the the, uh, the new art, the new environments. Um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about those live streams and and uh, you know how they've been going and generally what the player reception is and what your goal is when you do those live streams
3: sure well i think um you know uh, 10 forward weekly which is the the name of our weekly live stream uh it started because um we had been doing uh, intermittent live streams, basically since I started with the company. Whenever we did a major release, I'd, I'd stream and interview the developers. And um, response to that was really, really good. And then I did one that was showing off, um, I think, uh, one of the major um, uh, mega bundle releases that we did. Uh, and response to that was really amazing because you guys love your ships. Uh, and uh, so I thought, you know, let's try and do, um, you know, something that I've seen other developers be really successful with. uh, Warframe is the one that got brought up the most. Um, And, you know, just reach out to people on a weekly basis. See what um, the community is talking about, what you guys are interested in, what you want to know more about. Show off some of the uh, uh, stuff that we're working on that'll be in the game soon. Interview the developers about, you know, the stuff that they're doing and what their thought processes were behind certain things. Um, and it ended up being this really, really, you know, kind of amazing tight-knit community that's formed up around these things where, you know, on Facebook and Twitch every week, uh, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. with PT if you're not uh, tuning in, uh, I can just kind of gather around and they can tell me, you know, what experiences they're having with the game, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, they can see some of the stuff uh, before it goes live on either Tribble or on Holodeck. Um, and it's uh, really allowed us to dial in and, like, you know, show you guys some stuff, even some stuff that's work in progress. You know, we've shown <laughs> bridges off before where you could f- still fall through the floor and things like that. But uh, it's been a really great way to to kind of bring you guys into the fold and give you kind of a behind-the-scenes peek, which I think people really like. Um, and, you know, the more that I can show the players, uh, the people behind the game, um, it's really easy, I think, to look at the Star Trek Online developers as kind of this monolithic, faceless, like, the devs uh, and so it's nice to be able to be like here's jeremy here's ian here's thomas you know they're they're people who love and care about the game as much as you do and they they want to talk to you and know what you're thinking what you're feeling about the game now
1: what um most recently one of the videos that were released didn't go live but it was post-produced was uh right. nick Duguid sitting down with uh, several of the D space nine actors to show off the uh new interior and exterior of the of D space nine itself um, what I enjoyed was hearing um, Credencek talk about how identical it was and how I was like yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. Tell us a little bit about that ex- experience. What, uh, what was that like having them sit down with Nick and, and record all those things?
3: That was kind of an amazing thing um, because it came out of um, uh, Al, uh, you know uh, Captain Gecko Al, uh, it came to my desk one day and um, said, hey, uh, I forgot to mention, J.G. Hertzler is going to be in the studio tomorrow to record do you want to do anything? And I was like, ah, oh, God, yes! Uh, hold on. <laughs> so I had to throw, like, 15 things together to try and take advantage of just finding out the next day that, um, uh, JG was going to be in the office. And I, uh, uh, hit upon, hey, Nick has been working really hard on this DS9 revamp. It would be really cool if we walked JG around it. Uh, and, you know, kind of showed him what the, uh, what we'd been working on, and see see if it, you know, brought back any memories or he had any stories. And then, we'll keep doing it as uh uh more actors come in to record. So when Chase and Max came in to Cryptic to record their parts, it was just okay, right, well hey guys, do you mind coming upstairs and walking around? Um and yeah, that was that was really cool for me too, just to see how kind of blown away everybody was. Um, you know, especially uh uh Chase and Max um Max, uh, I don't think really quite understood what the game was when he was first coming in to record. And so being able to sit him down and be like, hey, we're like actually remaking the set. And like, you can. You can walk around this place where you guys lived for like you know seven years and and show off all of these amazing things um I think it really hit it home for him and you i I love that you can see him almost getting kind of emotional uh at getting the promenade back during that video i was I was really really proud of how that turned out um and that was that was me that was me editing it and producing it and all the stuff for it. <laughs> nice man. Well, congratulations. It turned out really well. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a fun experience. Uh, it was. It's really great to whenever the actors can come in and record because they're just so excited to be a part of all of this and to see what everything's working. What everybody's working on.
2: You recently wrote uh, one of the lore stories, and uh, can you pronounce the title for
3: us? <laughs> oh God, can I pronounce the title? Uh, I believe. And I am undoubtedly wrong, a hundred percent. I've been pronouncing it in my head as Kualoi He. That's probably wrong. Um, So what happened with that was um, I wanted to call that blog The Phantom Pain, but then I was like, I'm going to get a bunch of Metal Gear Solid jokes. Uh, So I I tracked down um, two experts in the Klingon language, which was uh, David Holkin and Chris Lipscomb. Uh, who were introduced to me via uh, Jesse Heineck, one of our content designers here. Uh, and actually, I, I was talking to uh, David first, and then he kind of dragged Chris in because it was too complicated of a question for the language. But I was trying to figure out how best to say "phantom pain" in Klingon because I had a Google translated version, and I looked at it and said, "This is not. This is not going to be good enough. Like uh, people, people who actually speak Klingon or play our game, they're not going to know." where this, this they're, they're gonna know that I just Google translated this and it's gonna be terrible. Uh, and so we ended up coming with a more Klingon way to say it, which was I believe, uh, the wound of the spirit, or uh, my spirit's apparent pain is what it actually was. Um, which is close enough to the general idea.
2: So in, in this story, there's some pretty tense moments between Jempok and Martok in a, yeah. in, in a secret Klingon chamber that has some relics from the, uh, from the Herc invasion. And I'm, I'm wondering, I really, I really enjoyed this story first off.
3: Thank you very much. Writing, writing the fiction blogs is my favorite part of my job. I mean, I can do many amazing things in the job, but when I get to write some fiction stuff for Star Trek, it's just like, Oh my God.
2: (laughs) So how, how are you chosen to write this particular part of... The fiction story, and what was your process at arriving at having Martok and Jempok in this ancient chamber?
3: Uh, so what happened originally, um, I guess the very beginning of the story is like months and months ago I asked uh, the content team if they would let me write a fiction blog, which is how my very first one came out, which I think was the one I wrote for the uh, uh, the Kobayashi Maru, which was retaking the test. And they basically gave me that one as a like, well, write it. If it's terrible, we'll rewrite it. And, you know, if it's not terrible, you'll get to write more. Uh, And I guess it wasn't terrible because I've gotten to write more. Um, But for Victory is Life, I really wanted to create the level of fiction blogs that we've had for major expansions before. You know, for like the Iconian War, we had the whole Tales of the War thing that was like, 26 fiction blogs that all came out, uh, to give different slices of the universe. Um, and so I called a meeting and I got, and this is like three or four months ago, I got all of the, uh, uh, content designers, uh, which is, uh, Ryan Levitt, Jesse Heinig, uh, Tiffany Chu and Paul Reed, who's also our, our writer and Al Rivera and, uh, Jay Turner, who's a new writer for the company who's currently working on another project. I got them all in a room and kind of just said, let's throw out ideas of what parts of the Victory's Life story we want to expand more on. And so all the fiction blogs that we've seen in the last, you know, month or two have come out of that meaning. Uh, and I think it was Paul who suggested uh, we need to have something showing off the conflict between Martok and Jempok. Uh, and I kind of jumped on that because Klingons are my jam. Um, and uh, so I got to write that one. In terms of where the setting actually came about, that was one of the first things I came up with, and I wish I could tell you how it came about. I think I just always saw this fight between, this, this not fight, but this like conversation between the two of them uh, coming about in some very dark, you know, back room that was torch lit, and I was trying to figure out what would be like that on Kronos uh and the first thing that came to me was that they were there could be like a basement to Kronos, if you will, where they keep a lot of their really ancient histories, you know some place that's super secret where the original you know journals of KLS and all that live uh and I thought that would be a really cool place to have the only living former chancellor <laughs> and the uh the current chancellor uh have a have a conversation about about these two people who've been kind of dancing around each other for decades now and very recently come to a head when it turns out that pock didn't actually finish the job when he killed Martok.
2: I think this, that's what I like most about it is the fact that it is uh, a former Chancellor and the current Chancellor and their previous right. conflict that is fleshed out in this story and then Coming full circle to the conversation that they have leading up to the current Herc threat. Yeah,
3: I, I actually started the story, the first draft I wrote of it. It started with March Hawk calling out Jempok. And then I thought in my, my head, I was like, this is probably a parallel to uh, uh, how it happened the first time oh, crap, let me write the first time. That sounds awesome. <laughs> but I, I love that about it. It's that it's, um, you know, like, it, Martok should not exist. There shouldn't be, in Klingon culture, there shouldn't be such a thing as a former chancellor. Uh, and so I really wanted to dive into his mind of, like, what's it like to be the warrior who had his honorable death and didn't get to keep it?
1: Well, like, What research did you do to kind of prep for this? Because this is, you know, this is specific lore. Like, for instance, you mentioned the the crypt kind of thing that's underneath uh you know the the hall and that would like th- th- has there never been there's clearly never been mention of this before in any sort of lore book or you know series
3: right paul reed as our is our head writer uh for star trek i he, think his actual title is staff writer, but he's the guy who does the writing the content designers finish an episode and then he uh Uh, He redoes all the dialogue and stuff. Um, And so he's got in his head all the lore of the different, like, you know, the worlds and everything that's going on and stuff. And so um, I sat down with him maybe a week or two before I wrote the article and took, like, three pages of notes. Um, But his notes to me were not, you know, like uh, what setting more. It was more like, you know, what's going on in Martok's head? What's going on in Jempok's head? What should their conflict be about? Where is the Klingon Empire at this point in time in the STO story? Uh, why is the Klingon Empire not getting involved in the fight with the Herc? Uh, which is a uh, an important Plot point that'll come up more in Victory's Life, which is why we wanted to tease it now. So there's, uh, it that was where a lot of it came from with me taking kind of Paul's, you know, brilliant mind for how the Star Trek Online story is working, and then translating it into my own story. All right, so let's talk a little bit
1: about Victory's Life, which is coming out next week already. Next week, oh my God! (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure that there are still many things that uh, that haven't been discussed and and announced yet, but. What has the player and community reception been to that which has been released?
3: I think it's been pretty largely positive. Um, You know, there's been a couple of things... Mostly with um, the fact that there aren't any other. Uh, I think the biggest thing we've gotten feedback that you guys would have liked more of is more playable races in the Jem'Hadar faction, uh, which, heard loud and clear, um, it's maybe something we'll think about in the future. But for right now, that faction is just Jem'Hadar. But I think other than that, you know, people are are really really excited about how many of these these actors from Deep Space Nine that we've gotten to come into the game. Um, the feedback we've heard on the story, people have been playing on Tribbles so far, has been really positive, and I think people are going to be really excited about some of the twists and turns that are happening uh there's a couple of episodes that we aren't releasing on Tribble because we don't want to spoil for everybody so there you know there's some there's some really cool stuff in those that you guys haven't seen yet um i think people are really excited about the uh um the new ships that we're putting out um there's there's a lot of positive stuff coming in um you know it's it part of my job is to uh uh, to see both the negative and the positive feedback that comes in every day. And so I'm, I'm going through every day as much as I can and pulling in, you know, people saying, oh, this could be better or, you know, or we love this and trying to, and passing that on to the devs as much as I can. And a lot of changes have been made, uh, even in the last month, um, just from you guys' feedback.
2: During the process, was there ever a conversation about having more playable species? Because it seems like that was that, that that was a specific story choice, and I'm wondering if if that ever was a conversation.
3: It was a story choice. Um, so, Victory is Life uh, as a major expansion uh, started planning even before I worked for the company. Um, so, some of that I wasn't privy to. Um, you know, I, I've been working here for almost a year and a half, more than a year and a half now. Um, and they were planning Victory's Life when I came in. And I know uh, the story that they really, really wanted to tell was the story that we're telling in Victory's Life. And that story, without spoiling anything, uh, is a Gemhadar Hadar story. Um, and I think they want, really wanted to create a faction that started right at the end game so that players who were. Uh, interested in that kind of thing could who really want to make a new character but didn't want to jump through you know playing playing from one to sixty again could jump in and play into the level sixty character and that really makes the most sense for Jumadar because they 're like bred to be perfect warriors uh you know there 's no learning process for them they come out of the tube and they 're just the best at everything um and so i think that 's what the thought process was um i'm sure there were discussions about whether or not we could throw. Uh, Vorta or changelings or other things in there. Um, I know the Cardassian discussion led to the fact that we finally added Cardassians to the game uh, as a re- playable race for Federation and Klingons. Uh, so, you know, that conversation was probably had, but I think they decided the best way to really service the story was to keep it the Jemadar.
1: Now, is there anything in the coming week that uh, players can look forward to in terms of blogs and uh, information coming out regarding Expansion 4?
3: Well, you—if you, if you uh, uh, watch our stream, you know that uh, we don't talk about upcoming content. <laughs> and I know you're going out on Friday, so uh, this—since this is going out on Friday—the uh, the stats for the uh, Deep Space Nine lockbox we announced this morning uh, just went live this morning. Um, I will say that before Victory's Life goes live on Tuesday, there is one more major announcement that's going to be happening on Monday. I won't tell you—can't tell you what it is—but I think some people have probably figured it out because I've gotten a lot of. Uh, Requests of like, why don't we have more information on this yet? And well, it's because it's coming on Monday. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's there's there's those things to look forward to, and then there's all the amazing stuff that we haven't told you about, especially in those couple of episodes that we haven't released on Tribble uh, that you get to dive into when Victory's Life Goes Live.
1: All right, awesome, awesome. Now uh, I I. I... It, it, i would I would be failing if I didn't ask you about Star Trek Las Vegas mm, uh, will you be in attendance and uh, you know have you guys started planning for that
3: uh, will I be in attendance or will Star trek online be in attendance both Okay, yes and yes. Uh, I don't know why I asked, because the answer was yes to both. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, I will definitely be there 100%. Uh, Star Trek Online will be there 100%. And yes, we have started planning. Um, uh, We're still in somewhat early planning stages. We don't know which developers are going yet. Um, We know a little bit of uh, what the booth design will look like and what kind of things we're going to show off at the show. Um, But uh, a lot of that, you know... As is usual, we're going to keep a little bit under wraps. Although I did hear uh, of possible plans of utterly decimating priority one in a laser tag match. Uh, mm. I did hear. I did hear that come across the wire. That <laughs> might be
1: the case. yes. yes we'll see.
2: <laughs> Actually, that's how I got. That's how I got this position. Was because I'm so good at laser tag. I'm only on the show to beat you guys.
3: That makes perfect sense. Uh, they should hire a ringer. Because I am great at laser tag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. We will have to schedule a time to go to the laser tag joint because we had a For blast sure. uh, when uh, when we all got together, several fans of Priority One and, and Star Trek Online. We all met up there, and, and ha- it was a great time. It was a really good time. So, we, yes, we should, we should plan yeah. to do that again.
3: Yeah, so that's awesome. And I'm, I'm sure you can expect to see us um, – Uh, You know, doing the the same kind of panels we always do. We'll we'll have uh, some major announcements that, of course, I cannot talk about. But we are going to be doing them at STLV, unless something changes massively in the next few months. (laughs) Um, And uh, we'll, you know, we may or may not be uh, contacting uh, certain priority one hosts about some of those panels. Uh, And uh, we, um, you know, uh, we'll have our our meet the devs. Um, We'll have uh, time to hang out with you guys at the hotel and. uh chat about the game and you know all that all that fun stuff. Uh so there's some really cool stuff. We've we've also been chatting with uh CBS a little bit um about uh ways we can team up with other licensees for some fun panels. Uh, and so I'm hoping some of those go through. Uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Well, we look yeah. forward to it and I look forward to seeing you in uh A little over two months.
3: Yeah, it's going to be fun.
1: It will be. It will be. Well, Mike, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of Priority One. Is there something we didn't cover that you'd like to say to the community?
3: Just uh, I'm really excited to see what you guys think of Victory's Life. I think people are going to be really happy with how it all turns out. Uh, And, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, everybody in game. I'll talk to you soon.
1: I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Mike. Until next time. Thank you, Mike.
0: Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See Get to know each other.
1: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
0: Episode 367's first community question was, what do you hope Nicholas Meyer's trilogy is about?
2: From Patreon, David S. says, I hope Meyer's trilogy would either be about the Enterprise B or Enterprise C crew, or at least set in the era between the launch of the Enterprise B and the start of TNG. The reason I say this is because we know Myers does well with Star Trek stories from the TOS movie era, and putting him into a post-Voyager era might result in something no one is happy about. Not to mention, we risk contradicting Stowe, which would ruin my... (coughs) Immersion...
0: That would absolutely kill me. If they tackle post-Voyager and then negate Star Trek Online, I would be devastated, completely devastated.
1: So I have to take a moment and give a shout out to David S. Because the cough, cough immersion should have been read like this. <coughs> immersion! <laughs> oh, it's an sorry, ongoing sorry. joke. Okay. It's an ongoing joke. It's okay. It's do, you, an ongoing do, you to, joke. do you want me to do it like that? No, 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 no. This can stay in the show. I want this to stay in the show. Because I, it's, it's, it's growing pains. It's learning what our jokes have been, and it's okay. It's, it's acceptable. It's all right. It's all right. I got your back, man. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> From Facebook, Rob Eppolito says, For goodness sake, please don't give us another prequel. How about a show which takes place in the future, actually taking place in its own future?
1: From Priority One, Tyler Maxwell writes in, Can't think of any specific plot I'd like to see in a Nick Meyer trilogy. Still think that Khan on SETI Alpha 5 one is a bit thin on substance, though. If it has strong, memorable characters and an impactful story, it'll probably be good.
0: The, the one counterexample that I think would be received kind of poorly, and I feel bad for saying this because David S. had a really thoughtful um, idea, but it, uh, if Nicholas Meyer's trilogy ends up uh, being the Enterprise C in yet another um, Star Trek universe that's um, not the mirror universe and it isn't the Kelvin timeline it isn't the prime universe I think I think that would be a hard pill to swallow, let's be honest but, um, but I'm kind of with Tyler Maxwell on this one I think if it's got strong memorable characters and a good story then it'll be gold regardless of what era it's set in
2: I agree, I, I think they could almost do anything as long as the story is strong enough and the characters are compelling enough
0: Episode 367's
1: second community question was, have you had an opportunity to attend a Star Trek event, a film screening, a con, or other, and what was your experience?
0: From Patreon Katie Fulfer writes, I saw the Wrath of Khan for the first time in a theater, not when it originally came out. It must've been between the JJ reboot number one and number two. Although I grew up with TNG, DS9, and Voyager, I hadn't spent much time with TOS. The theater in my town was screening quote-unquote classic movies in a digital format on the big screen, and The Wrath of Khan was one of them. I loved seeing the film for the first time in a theater with more seasoned Trekkies, and that's a film that people deserve to see on the big screen. Uh, And I would like to note that Katie writes Khan like big screamy letters. I am not going to do that, but uh, the sentiment is appreciated, Katie. Thank you.
2: From Patreon, Joss writes... I have attended STLV since 2009, only missed one year due to work. I haven't been to any other Star Trek cons, but I'm still going to say this is the best one, not because of the celebs or events, which are great, but because of the attendees. After this many years, I'm really just going now to be with my family. That's what STLV is for so many people, a family reunion. Some of my dearest, most cherished friendships began over a drink and chat about favorite episodes and movies at Masquerade. And before that, Space Bar at the Hilton. It's expensive, absolutely. We we call, it, we call it the Dairy Convention because they milk you for all you got, but it's worth every single penny. I encourage everyone who can to give it a try one year.
0: I absolutely loved this feedback, Jocelyn, because um, I think you've put it uh, very succinctly and very correctly, uh, the reason that a lot of people attend uh, stlv um, and to a certain extent, some of the other conventions, especially abroad that where, where people can 't necessarily make it all the way to Las Vegas, um, there is a similar environment it's it 's never quite the same in my experience, but I think you 've done a good job of articulating why we why we yammer on about it quite so much every year
1: It really becomes a homecoming. You know, for instance, Kenna, Tony, Hunter, Soon Anthony, hopefully, you know, uh, Winters. Priority One had been doing a show for at least a year and a half before James, Adrienne, and I, and Elliot all got together and met at Vegas. We had teamed up with Trek Radio for a booth, and that was the first time we met. Like, it's not like... Kenna and I go out for drinks on the weekends right that doesn't happen because she's on the west coast I'm on the East Coast Tony's in in uh, in the Midwest and winters is all the way in Ireland so and, and this not it's not just priority one friends it's like it's like you Jocelyn right we keep in touch throughout the throughout the year it's very much a homecoming to meet up with these friends that you've made at the convention to finally be able to hug you know, give a give a nice tight hug and then get drunk,
0: or not if you don't feel like doing that. Or not, or
1: if you don't feel like getting drunk, it's fine. <laughs> drunk is an option, but what but what matters is that is that it's as if though time didn't pass, as if though that year hasn't gone by. I'm already in Vegas mode, and thinking about seeing people like pat arthur who's who is is a a friend from my hometown you know and that's how we met through star trek it makes you look at trek in a whole different way and if you have the means if you have the opportunity try to make it to a convention a star trek convention
2: i'm looking forward to meeting everybody there at some point uh if not this year, then definitely next year and, uh, getting to know, uh, the listeners and the viewers and, and, and you guys, uh, more while we're there.
0: Actually, that's a question. So you've not been, you've not been to STLV before.
2: I have not been to STLV. I did go to mission New York, uh, a couple of years ago when it was oh, okay. here. Oh, I was there too. Um, and, uh, I've been to other big conventions. I go to, uh, New York comic con every year. I went to star Wars celebration last year for the 40th. um, so I'm, you know, I, conventions are exactly that. What Jocelyn says, and uh, I'm looking forward to to being able to immerse myself in the biggest Star Trek one.
1: It's unbelievable that you and I have crossed paths several times yeah. at this point. It's kind of like J- with Jeff over at Tricorder Transmission. Jeff and I literally live within a five mile radius of each other and never knew oh, wow. until this last year. And he's, you know, he's the host of Tricorder Transmission over with Heather uh, Barker.
0: From Twitter, StarKicker says, In the 90s, I remember watching Voyager episodes on a projector at conventions. Australia was a year behind the US, so American friends would videotape episodes and mail them over, and we would watch together at local cons. I remember the episode when Voyager first landed on a planet. There was an audible gasp, followed by clapping in the crowd. Looking back, it was pretty simple CGI, but was super exciting at the time.
1: As is the case every week, captains, we wish we had the time to share all of your responses, but that doesn't mean that we discourage anyone from heading over to our social media platforms to read the fantastic feedback and continue to participate throughout the week. Well, that wraps up episode 368 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and the Trek Files. Visit podcasts.roddenberry.com.
0: Now we can't forget to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters: Jim DeVico, Navy Boat Slew, Diana Gunther, Peter Archibald, Starkicker, and David S.
2: Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week.
1: What would you design as a Star Trek-themed ride? Captains, you know we love to keep those hailing frequencies open, so leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast, or tweet us at priority one pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
2: And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as highlighting some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and lithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Stowe players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one.
0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
2: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to
1: heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald. With assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with additional support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Suite Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors and assisting us in the weekly production of this show. As producer, Jake does a hell of a lot. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
0: Enemy ship on sensors.
1: Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons.
0: Engage.
1: Engage. Harvey Lee says, so I says to Mabel, I says, I says, you gotta put in character. I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting down, I'm getting <laughs> makeup on. And I says to Mabel, I says to her, you listen, girl, you gotta not do those things anymore. You gotta leave him. You just gotta. He's just, no, no. Or in, like, when Harry met Sally. He's never gonna leave. She's
0: never, he's never gonna leave her. That's good. That was good. I'll try. That's nice for you, time. Harvey.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Uh, my next, sorry.
0: You're
1: fired. Get out of here. I'll tell you not be attentive to what's going on. In the- and-
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. He doesn't mean it. He never means it. He's told me I'm fired so many times. Kenna, you were I right
2: just... about his. You were right about his ego. Yeah, I know, right? There's no denying that the cast of Star Trek: Discovery is comprised of some very, very. Did tel- you say
1: denying or? Denying? I
2: said. I think I heard
1: "die." I yeah. Well. That's probably what I said. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, no, no. I, I'm. We Ken and I switched, so I'm about to do uh, the one that we skipped. No. From Facebook.
0: Robin. No, because we we're on episode 367, second community question. Yeah. Who read Robbie Bolito? Didn't we switch? I did.
2: Who? Yeah. She read it before did you we? did. Yeah. She. Oh. She. We. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm confused. She, Why am I confused? I,
2: you you didn't swap. You didn't swap the order. Yeah, you I, just I wrote. Read
0: I read Robert Polito. You read Tyler Maxwell. <laughs> Do you not yeah, remember?
1: you right. right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> sorry, it I got distracted. Like, I'm, it was like thirty I'm seconds sorry. ago. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm good. I for what? I guess it's all right. It's good. I got this. It was. I had a small seizure. I'm good. Oh, are we ready to move on now? I was being sincere. So to to hell with you poo-pooing on that.
0: I was just enjoying my drink. <laughs>
1: I've never I've never <laughs> seen somebody be so
2: sincere in in such an obnoxious way before. That's that <laughs> is ta- you don't everybody, know oh,
0: Elijah very I'm well great. yet. <laughs> I am great at that. That
1: is talent, great ladies great and gentlemen. That.
2: that is talent
0: yeah. right That's there. Raw talent. Yeah.
1: I am great at that. Oh I lore fiction. I never just mind. It. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm
2: an ass. I'm sorry, my bad. I I mean I got distracted. I'm not gonna I I would never say that. <laughs> not yet, you all. Yeah, <laughs> continues oh, on the...
1: Shit. page. Gosh damn it.
2: Notice I don't laugh when you mess up like you do with me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, just wanted to point that out. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. That's making it into the bloopers.